1897, at 6 a.m., a very strange incident occurred in a sleepy North Texas town called Aurora. A cigar-shaped UFO, metallic silver in color, appeared suddenly in the sky above the town. It was moving from south to north, and unlike the balloon airships of its time, this UFO was built of, quote, an unknown metal resembling somewhat of a mixture of aluminum and silver. A witness guessed that the ship weighed several tons. The sighting occurred during a time when many strange airships were being seen all over the United States. For this reason, the UFO is called an airship in a newspaper article written later by Aurora resident Essie Hayden. Hayden told the Dallas Morning News that the strange craft seemed to be having some kind of mechanical problems. It slowed down to about 10 or 12 miles per hour and began settling toward the ground. Hayden said the townspeople watched in amazement as the slow-moving airship drifted over the town square and then moved north toward the property of Judge J.S. Proctor. Next, the UFO collided with a windmill on the judge's land and, quote, went into pieces with a terrific explosion, scattering debris over several acres of ground. The crash destroyed the windmill, the adjacent water tank, and the judge's flower garden. The explosion and crash drew many spectators to Judge Proctor's land. Among the wreckage, the townspeople found the dead body of the ship's pilot. Now, the story gets really weird. Witnesses said that the pilot was not a human being. This is Unsolved Mysteries of the World, Season 4, Episode 2, The Aurora Incident. Townspeople said that although the pilot's body was damaged severely in the crash, it was clear that, quote, he was not an inhabitant of this world. The pilot may have been from Mars, they said. Mr. T.J. Weems, an officer in the U.S. Signal Service and an authority on astronomy, had said. Texas, it seemed, was becoming a hotbed for these types of sightings. Earlier, in 1891, a UFO exploded over Dublin, Texas. Witnesses saw a bright, oblong-shaped object hovering about 300 feet in the sky. A witness, whose name was not given, told the local newspaper that what he saw looked like a bale of cotton suspended in the air after having been saturated in kerosene oil and ignited, except that it created a much brighter light. The witness said that the light was so bright it dazzled people who were standing several hundred feet away from the light. Although the local newspaper later described it as a meteor, the UFO did not look or behave like a meteor. It seemed to hover over the cotton gin, and it gave out an extremely intense light. Also, it shattered into pieces before it hit the ground. After the explosion, chunks of a strange burning hot metal fell to the ground, setting the grass and weeds on fire. The explosion of the UFO was so loud that it was heard by nearly everyone in the portion of the city, according to the newspaper. One man who witnessed the event was so scared by what he saw that he ran away from the location and hid himself. Later, when he was asked to provide the exact size and appearance of the UFO before it exploded, he could not. He said he was too scared to pay attention. 
After returning to his home, the witness continued thinking about the UFO and was not able to sleep well. He decided that he would return to the scene of the explosion early the next morning. Scattered across the field of burned grass and weeds were strange pieces of metal. He described them as fragments of the most remarkable substance ever known to explode. The metal was of the same color as lead. He also saw some peculiar stones that looked like lava from a volcano. And there was something else, even more mysterious. As the witness looked around, he found several small pieces of what looked like paper with strange writing on it. It looked like torn pieces from a newspaper, but the writing on it was not English. In fact, nobody could identify what language it was. The metal fragments, nor the strange paper with the foreign writing, have ever surfaced. The metal is probably still buried at the site. When the Aurora residents investigated their crashed UFO, they said they saw strange writings as well on the papers that were scattered about. As word of what happened reached surrounding towns, many visitors arrived to look at the crash site. Hayden commented, The town is full of people today who were viewing the wreck and gathering specimens of the strange metal from the debris. After the crash, the townspeople tried to find out more about how the UFO was constructed and what made it fly. However, Hayden said that the ship was too badly wrecked to form any conclusion as to its construction or motive of power. The Dallas Morning News article, published two days after the crash, said the pilot's funeral would take place on April 18th. Another newspaper, the Fort Worth Register, said the pilot, who was not an inhabitant of this world, was given proper Christian burial at the Aurora Cemetery. When the pilot was buried, a marker was placed on his grave. In 1973, newspaper reporter Bill Case described the marker as having a strange design on it resembling a flying saucer with portholes. Shortly after Case wrote a story describing the grave marker, somebody stole it. Today, nobody is sure exactly where the pilot is buried. In 2008, an unmarked grave dating back to the 1890s was found at the Aurora Cemetery during the filming of a television show called UFO Hunters for the History Channel. Since the owners of the cemetery will not allow anyone to dig up the grave, nobody knows if it is the grave. Of the strange pilot. The wreckage from the Aurora UFO was reportedly dumped into a nearby well located under the damaged windmill. Brawley Oates, who purchased Judge Proctor's property around 1935, cleared out the debris from the well in order to use it as a water source, but later developed an extremely severe case of arthritis, which he claimed to be the result of the contaminated water from the wreckage dumped into the well. As a result, Oates sealed up the well with a concrete slab and placed an outbuilding atop the slab. The mystery, in essence, was buried. But some believe they have uncovered the mystery. Hey guys, if you are looking for some great travel advice, check out www.experiencethis360.com. There are some amazing travel guides to cities such as San Diego, Memphis, and Phoenix, and locations like Italy and France, as well as exotic locations like India and Thailand. 
You can read the travel guides at experiencethis360.com or listen to them as a podcast. You can find the podcast on their website or at your favorite podcast directory like iTunes, Stitcher, or Player FM. There are also great travel articles and topics, including how to fly to Europe super cheap, or where to find the cheapest and best backpack for travel. Check it out at www.experiencethis360.com. Barbara Brammer, a former mayor of Aurora, said she believes that the newspaper writer made the entire story up in order to save Aurora from extinction, and that he had done it to try to boost tourism. An odd thing to do in 1890s Texas. In 1979, Time magazine interviewed Edda Pueguis, an 86-year-old Aurora resident, who claimed that Hayden had fabricated the entire story, stating that Hayden, quote, wrote it as a joke and to bring interest to Aurora. The railroad bypassed us and the town was dying. However, years later, interest in the incident increased and Jim Mars, journalist and UFO book author, interviewed several old-timers who claimed to have seen the UFO crash. He also determined that the windmill wasn't exactly a windmill, but a three-story wooden water pump tower. On December 19, 2005, UFO Files first aired an episode related to the incident, titled Texas's Roswell. The episode featured a 1973 investigation led by Bill Case, an aviation writer for the Dallas Times-Herald, and the Texas State Directory of the Mutual UFO Network, also known as MUFON. MUFON uncovered two new eyewitnesses to the crash. Mary Evans, who was 15 at the time, told of how her parents went to the crash site and the discovery of the alien body. Charlie Steffens, who was age 10, told how he saw the airship trailing smoke as it headed north toward Aurora. He wanted to see what happened, but his father made him finish his chores. Later, he told how his father went to the town the next day and saw the wreckage from the crash. Mufon then investigated the Aurora Cemetery, and uncovered a grave marker that appeared to show a flying saucer of some sort, as well as readings from its metal detector. Mufon asked for permission to exhume the site, but the cemetery association declined permission. After the Mufon investigation, the marker mysteriously disappeared from the cemetery, and a three-inch pipe was placed into the ground. Mufon's metal detector no longer picked up metal readings from the grave, Thus, it was presumed that the metal was removed from the grave. Mufon's report eventually stated that the evidence was inconclusive. In 2008, UFO Hunters, the television show, aired another episode on the subject, which included digging up the old well. No material was found, but the water contained an excessive amount of aluminum. At the cemetery... Ground-penetrating radar found an unmarked grave which they believed may be the UFO pilot's remains. The cemetery again said no to the exhumation of the body. The Texas State Historic Commission instead placed a plaque in town commemorating the event. For further information, take a listen to the bonus episode we will be releasing next week in which Jim Mars investigates the incident in great detail.
Thank you for listening to Unsolved Mysteries of the World. If you enjoyed this episode, remember to find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, or your other favorite podcast directory, and subscribe, rate, and review. We would really appreciate your support. If you haven't already, join us on Facebook to enhance this episode with photos, illustrations, and lively discussion. Look for our suggested links and do share this podcast with others. Perhaps you or someone you know will have a solution to this mystery. This podcast is created by Cold Rasta Studios and includes music and sound effects by John Savoy, Albert Ray, Gerardo Garcia Jr., Rana Szilard, Madia Cupelli, Alex Lisi, Martin Kahlberg, and Adrian von Ziegler.